You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right, everyone. Feel free to grab a seat. Hey, well, something uh, exciting to tell you guys about is that our church, and uh, for those of you who have known our church for a while, we are a Christian and Missionary Alliance of Canada, now known as the Alliance Canada, but a big part of our identity is missions uh, and what it looks like to serve uh, people all over the world. And, And so in just a number of weeks or days, is it is it days or weeks? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two weeks as of yesterday, uh, we're going to be sending a team uh, to the Middle East on a missions trip, and Pastor David is going to be one of them. Valerie Saka, who's one of our elders and, and one of the key people here at Rail City, uh, is also going to be going as, as, well as, as well as a number of other uh, people from our church. And so we wanted to take this opportunity just to pray for them mm-hmm. uh, while we can, uh, and then David's going to bring the word. And so uh, I'm going to invite up, is Candace still here? Oh, she's holding Lexi, though. Sorry, Candace. Uh, I'll stall. Uh, and so, yeah, David, what are you looking forward to about this trip? No, I'm just, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll pray. I'll ask Candace to pray, and then uh, and then I'll conclude. So. Is Valerie here? She's sick. Oh no. She's sick today. Okay. She's not. Yeah. Valerie's not here. It's just you and I. Just, yeah. just, just the two of us. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Lord, for first of all just being in this place with us, blessing everybody in this room and having us this opportunity to bless David and Valerie as they go out on mission. You have put on their heart this um, specific trip and this specific focus, and we thank you that um, when you ask, uh, these two servants of yours have said yes, and they will go now into this place, and we as a congregation and family Um, support them and I just pray that we all continue to pray for them and the whole team as they go. Lord, give them wisdom and discernment as they go into a culture that differs from ours, that they would have compassion and sensitivity and gentleness. Um, I just pray that you give them strength and endurance as usually these days are quite tough and hard. Lord, thank you for their just physical ableness that they can go and do this and and be able to travel and um, be your hands and feet to the people. Lord, I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, David. Oh, yeah, no, I I would appreciate uh, your prayers when we uh, head off. I'm actually a little bit nervous about going there, yeah. I've never been to that part of the world. Um, Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here at uh, Rail City, where the temperature is like minus 30 degrees. Uh, <laughs> it's freezing in here. But that's okay. You stay focused, right? Uh, we're going to carry on our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a section in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 to chapter 7. It's where you're going to hear uh, the most important teaching that you could ever hear. Because it's taught and it's brought to us by the smartest person that's ever lived, Jesus Christ. And the Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to you and to me to flourish as human beings. 
uh, Jesus says these words. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. The world will never, ever be the same again. Jesus invites us to repent. What does that mean? It means instead of going ways that lead to destruction, turn towards him because he's the author of life. Walk in his ways and you live. Jesus announces that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of grace, love, justice, and joy has broken into the present and the world will never be the same again. So it's a picture, it's an invitation to flourish in life. And so we've been making our way through the first part of this uh, sermon. And the first part is called the Beatitudes. And as you know by now, the, uh, be, the word Beatitude is, is a word that's uh, translated as blessed. Um, but it's, it's an awkward word because the word is, is not easy to translate. It means blessed, yes, but it also means other things like what? What other words? Lucky, yeah, fortunate. <laughs> uh, flourishing. Um, the other word would be um, uh, in sync. In sync. To live in sync with the person and the way of Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing uh, today is we're, going, we're arriving at the seventh beatitude. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. Now, I'm going to have you stand. So if you can stand... And then I'm going to give you a test this morning. You ready? You ready? Here's the test. All right, don't look at your Bibles. I'm going to read the first part of the Beatitude. <laughs> I can see you memorizing. Okay, I got them all. Right. Uh, I'm going to read the first part of the Beatitude, and then I want to hear your response, what, how the second part goes, all right? So, first part. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, that was... Not bad, <laughs> not bad. This section seems to know you, yeah, okay. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Oh, you're all over that one, yeah. Uh, blessed are the meek. Yeah, for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah, we know that one, okay. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Very good. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. All right. Blessed are the peacemakers. I've heard three of you. Well done. <laughs> That's our one for today. Um, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. <laughs> you get 100% over there. <laughs> now it comes full circle, right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, very good. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We pray that you speak your word into our hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> so today we're, we've come to the Beatitude. It's kind of a famous one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God or sons of God. Um, and in many ways, you think about blessed are the peacemakers. In our day and age, actually in every day and age, there is a deep longing for peace. Um, we read about the uh, wars that are being waged around the world. You think about it in Sudan, you think about it in Ukraine, um, you think about the wars that are being waged closer to home on the internet uh, between the left and the right and the pro this and anti that. And one of the things I think that characterizes our age um, is, is just a lot of people are angry. Do you find that? Like, I don't know, I didn't watch it, but I saw there was this huge road rage thing that took place in the lower mainland last week. Some guy in a truck and got mad at somebody who cut them off, and, and they just lost it. 
And I find that in our world today, our hearts are restless and we always seem to be on edge. Uh, there's this deep down longing for peace, some kind of respite from all the noise and anger that seems to be floating around us. Now, Jesus says in this, uh, in this sermon, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, imagine you're part of the crowd that is hearing this teaching. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Imagine you're in the crowd. How might these words resonate with you? Let me think about it. Now, it may come as a surprise. But I think Jesus' teaching, blessed are the peacemakers, may have rubbed some people the wrong way. It may, have, it may have really bothered some people. Why? Well, because they hear Jesus say, blessed are the peacemakers, and, and they would be listening and be like, really? The peacemakers? You want us to be peacemakers with these Romans calling the shots? Because this is a time period in the first century. This is a time period that um, is known as the time of the uh, Pax Romana, which is called the Peace of Rome. It was is one of the furthest extents of the, uh, of the Roman Empire. And the Romans were known, if you read some history books, as bringing peace to the world. Well, I guess they did bring peace. <laughs> but the way they brought peace is a little suspect. Um, I mean, they basically, wherever they went, they left a desert. Um, and I guess if you kill everybody, graveyards tend not to shout back or cause problems. I get that. When everybody's dead. I mean, the Romans were brutal. I had a story of Caesar um, in um, around 58 uh, B.C., going into Gaul of a population of 6 million people. Uh, the Romans wiped out 1 million and enslaved another million. I guess that brings peace. Um, and, and people at the time, um, they resented the Romans. They hated the Romans. And so Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. I think a lot of people would be like, really, Jesus, Really? You want peace with these monsters? Are you kidding me? In fact, there's a first century group called the Zealots. They're a real laid back bunch. Um, the Zealots, um, for them, the only solution to the, room, to the Romans was through revolution. Through overthrowing the Romans. That's a road to peace. Which actually raises an interesting question. Is it ever appropriate for violence to bring peace? Which we'll talk about on my Tuesday night class. Yeah, I always advertise my classes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a big question. But this is the background. This is about Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. It's not like everybody's like, oh, it's so nice to have peace. It's a bloody world that, that, uh, that's going on at this time. And it would shock in the first century as it, as it, it would shock today. But Jesus teaches us, you want to know who are those who are in sync with God's kingdom? The peacemakers. Part of being a gospelized person is to be a peacemaker. 
And so what I'd like to do this morning is just look at a couple questions surrounding this beatitude. The obvious question is this. Uh, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, like all the beatitudes you need to know is that it's not a natural thing. This is not a natural quality that uh, you may find in your personality. So in the case of blessed are the peacemakers, this does not apply to those who like to avoid conflict. Anyone here like to avoid conflict? Any conflict avoiders? You know, some of you are like, I, I'll put up my hand, but I don't know if it'll bug other people. Uh, yeah, a few. Okay, you like to avoid conflict. Anybody likes to like, stir things up? Yeah, I know who you are. Actually, I could have guessed mostly. Yeah, yeah. See, what Jesus is teaching here is not some natural personality trait. To become a peacemaker is utterly impossible for us to do on our own. The same applies to the meek, to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Only a new person in Christ can enter into this life as a peacemaker. So it's not natural. Secondly, it's not worldly peace. Uh, peace is, is commonly understood in our culture in two ways, I think. Um, when we talk about peace, we talk about inner peace. Right? So you think about Shifu and Kung Fu Panda, like inner peace, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace, right? That sort of thing. And this calm that's inside. So that's one way of, of, uh, it's understood. The other one is like an outer calm. And so like nobody's fighting. Okay, there's, there's peace. Uh, like a ceasefire, right? But that's not what the Bible's teaching here. Now, to be fair, I mean, the Bible does say that when, we, when we're reconciled to God, we do have this inner sense of peace, absolutely. And the Bible does, there are biblical principles that, bring, that can bring about um, a ceasefire or, or um, kind of uh, an outer calm between warring parties. But here's the problem. Silencing the guns does not necessarily mean peace, does it? You can just silence the guns, but, it doesn't, but there's still this... this fermenting animosity that's ready to bubble over, right? The other thing is that you can feel peaceful inside in your heart. You can feel peaceful inside your heart, but it could just be you've just had three weeks of vacation or, or, or three shots of scotch. I don't know, like a three-something, right? And oh, I feel peaceful, right? No, so it's not, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's different than that. What is the... Um, what is a biblical word for peace? I heard somebody say it. Shalom. Shalom. It's one of those cool words. It actually sounds like what it means. Shalom. Right? It's like the word harsh. Kind of sounds like harsh. Kind of, you know, uh, or booger, but we'll leave that as well. Um, yeah, shalom. Shalom. And what is shalom? Well, shalom is life as God intended it to be. Shalom is um, well-rounded, holistic existence where you are in harmony with all the fundamental relationships of life. You're in harmony with God. You're in harmony with creation. You're in harmony with yourself. And you're in harmony with others is shalom. And, and, and we, we get pictures of shalom uh, throughout the Bible. There's one in um, 
Well, there's actually quite a few in, in, in the book of Isaiah. But in, in Isaiah chapter 2, in verse 4, we come across this picture. It says, For God shall judge between the nations, and he shall decide between the disputes for many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So, why is shalom, this picture of peace, this peace picture of, of a, a holistic, well-rounded harmony with all the fundamental relationships of life, why is shalom making a sign of the inbreaking of God's kingdom? Well, for a number of reasons. One, we know that Jesus himself says, I am peace, I am your peace. Like Jesus himself is peace. And, and there's that, you know, that, that Christmas passage that everybody knows um, where we read, you know, where it says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his, his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah. Jesus himself speaks shalom into being. We read that Jesus brings peace. And we read about this in, 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 in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read these words. These powerful words. In verse 13, it says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Listen. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new person in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. I mean, this is a picture of Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. And the kingdom of God is, is where you get this harmony in all those four different dimensions. So then, what does it mean to be a shalom maker? What does it mean for you and I to be a shalom maker, a peacemaker? Well, the answer actually is in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to hit this again and again and again. But let me give you four pictures of what shalom making can look like in our lives. Here's the first picture. You and I can become peacemakers, shalom makers, when we have shalom in our hearts. We have to have peace in our hearts first before we can go about becoming peacemakers. So the peace of God happens when the God of peace is allowed to be Lord of our lives. And so what is the root cause of anxiety and fear and animosity in the world? I think it's when humanity turns us back on God. In a world where God is dead or in a world where God may exist, but he doesn't matter, 
I think, results in violence and decay. And the reality is, is that human beings have, 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 have pushed God to the side and have tried to replace God. And when I say human beings, not like including religious ones, because we all know there's many, many evils have done, been done in the history of the world in the name of God, right? But ultimately, it's when we are in rebellion with God. And I think too much of human history has been spent either ignoring God or trying to replace him with ourselves. Uh, I love this quote that came across it this week by a guy named um, um, is, is, is Vaclav Havel. Um, he, uh, he's many things. He was a poet. He was a playwright. He was a president of Czechoslovakia and then the Czech Republic. He says, given his fatal incorrigibility, humanity probably will have to go through many more Rwandas and Chernobyls before it understands how unbelievably short-sighted a human being can be who has forgotten that he is not God. And so you can see this beatitude builds on the other beatitudes, doesn't it? When we are pure in heart, when we're single-minded, living crucified lives, we're preparing our lives to see God in part now, in the end, in, in full. When, we, um, when we're merciful, when we show mercy to other people, we can, we can extend mercy. We can become agents of peace and reconciliation. And so you and I need to be in shalom with God. We've got to stop fighting God in this before we can become shalom makers. Now, this is, this is an issue. I mean, for much of my life, I struggled with anger, and I still do. Um, but man, before... Before I was a Christian, I was living overseas, doing work, doing business, and um, I was angry all the time, all the time. And if you'd asked me, you know, David, what, why are you so angry? I wouldn't really have an answer. Anybody else find themselves angry all the time and not knowing why? I think it's... it's, it's, it's um, endemic in our culture so many people are so angry all the time i, I was driving once um i was driving in on uh, on shaughnessy and uh, you know you, you you're supposed to go into one lane and you go under and you come up and you know what i'm talking about over in shaughnessy so you're supposed to merge and i was merging um and this truck did not want me to merge but i still merged um and then he was mad like, he was really mad. I'm like, dude, you know, it's the, you're supposed to merge, right? I didn't think I did anything wrong. Um, we got through underneath, and then you, there's a stoplight, and we stopped. And I'm just sitting there, and then, bam! The guy got out of his truck, and he punched my window. I'm like, well, and then he follows me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> Don, I was going to go meet you for, for coffee. <laughs> And so it's like 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. I pull, and the truck follows me. And the guy gets out, and I'm like, oh, I haven't been in a fight since high school. I mean, how do I do this again? Right? You know, I, I, I'm going to get in a fight Monday morning at 8 o'clock. And I'm like, 
And I looked at the guy, and the guy goes, oh, you cut me off. I'm like, we're supposed to merge. Oh, you didn't signal. I'm like, well, where else am I going to go? On to the, you know, there's only one lane. And he got so mad, and I'm like, I finally, I said, look, I said, it's Monday morning. You really want to have this kind of fight first thing Monday morning? <laughs> As opposed to Wednesday morning would be better. I mean, I don't know. But I'm like, this is like beginning of the week. And he's like, I oh, should have signaled. I said, I should have signaled? Yeah. I said, I'm sorry I didn't signal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets in his truck and he drives off. But I'm like, people are so angry. But I get it. Because I was that angry too. And I just find that a lot of people are just struggling with anger all the time. See, if you want peace, our starting point is peace with God. Because if, you're, if without peace with God, you're not going to have peace in your own heart. And if you don't have peace in your own heart, you can't be a peacemaker. And so in many ways, like to have peace in our hearts, it's... it's <laughs> To be a peacemaker is actually evangelistic in some ways. Um, we proclaim the love, um, we proclaim in love the truth of Jesus to a world that's brimming with hatred and anger. We're called to be ambassadors to Jesus. And so that's the first thing. Without peace in your heart with God, you can't be a peacemaker. The second thing is that if you do decide to be a peacemaker, you're going to experience the beatitude next week. <laughs> what's, the next, what's the last beatitude? <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted, yes. Um, yes, if you, if, I mean, here's the thing. If you try to be a peacemaker, maybe it'll go well. Maybe people will be impressed with you. You may even win a Nobel Peace Prize. But <laughs> chances are, chances are more likely if you try to be a peacemaker, you're going to annoy people. Uh, and you will experience the eighth beatitude. <laughs> and that's a consequence of peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, you think about it. Have you ever tried to bring peace when two people are fighting? Have you ever tried to bring peace to an online discussion? Hey, guys, just settle down. What I figure is, what happens when you try to be a peacemaker between people that are fighting? <laughs> Who do they turn towards? Because <sighs> you're in no man's land. You can get shot at from both sides. And this is, like, it's just, it's, it's awkward. I remember one time, a long time ago at our church, I was in my office, and I hear this outside my window, and I look outside, and a fight's breaking out. All these kids from Charles Bassett, I guess they decided what better place to hold a fight than on church property. Um, and so they're having this big fight. So I run down there, and I see them fighting, and I, 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 I grab one of the kids, and I said, no, don't be fighting, right? And, but I'm holding them, and I realize, okay, this is hard now because now this guy's got a free shot at the guy that I'm holding. And I'm like, no, don't hit him, don't hit him. But when you're in the middle, you can get attacked from both sides. And then people kind of got mad at me for breaking up a fight. But that's the thing. If you try to be a shalom maker, you will face trouble with the world. And here's the thing. You try to be a shalom maker, you might face trouble in the church. Because the reality is, people like the status quo. 
And when you try to bring peace, sometimes to bring peace requires changes. Not everybody's happy with that. E. Stanley Jones puts it this way. He says, people hate to be disturbed, even for the better. The world hates the pure in heart. <laughs> it sees the merciful and the meek as weak, and it has no time for peacemakers. So this tells us one other thing about being a peacemaker is that to be a peacemaker is connected to the cross. Shalom making is intimately tied to the cross. There's no peacemaking without a cross, which should not surprise us because how does Jesus bring about peace? Through the cross, right? And so you and I are made right with God through the sacrificial love and the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross. But then Jesus says, hey, anyone who wants to be my disciple, what do they need to do? Deny themselves. What else? Take up your cross and follow me, right? And so it tells us that the Christian life, the Christian life, well, it reminds us that the cross is not only the source of new life, but the cross is the pattern of this new life that we live. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, there's lots more that we could say about this. But let me just lay out a couple thoughts, some steps that you and I can take to become peacemakers. So one of the things we could do to become a peacemaker is this. We need to remember who we belong to. Remember whose you are. <laughs> you have received peace in Jesus. We belong to Jesus, and so that means our identity and our mission are intimately connected to Jesus. And, you know, next week when you guys have the baptism, that's what's going to be proclaimed. I belong to Jesus. My mission is now connected to Jesus. That's what a person declares in their baptism. And when you're baptized, you're actually baptized into peace and into peacemaking. We've been reconciled to the Father. And now we are partners in God's divine work of peacemaking in a world of chaos and strife. Secondly, so remember who you are. So you do this out of your identity. Secondly, recognize in your heart that maybe you don't want peace. Now, I get it. You're probably, well, who doesn't want peace? Ah. Sometimes it's easier Sometimes it's easier to ignore a conflict than to lean in. I find that in the Christian life, it's, it's um, the challenge. The challenge is, is, is fight or flight. Um, either we're, we're willing to just fight over everything or we run away. And I know a lot of people, I'll ask you know, couples who are, who are struggling in their marriage. I say, well, how are things? Oh, they're good. Oh, really? You've talked things through? No, no, it's just, it's just a lot easier not to say anything. We're not fighting. And a lot of people think, oh, we're not fighting. That's peace. But you and I both know that that's not peace, right? It's not the same thing as peace. To be a peacemaker is actually really hard because it means instead of 
running away, you lean in and you have those hard conversations. And nobody loves, nobody likes having those hard conversations. And that's been something in, in my life that I've really had to learn. In my family, we don't talk about things. We laugh, we joke around. I have a very loud family. I'm the quiet one in the family. Um, <laughs> but I mean, in our family, it's, um, if, there's a, if there's a conflict, we don't talk about it. Typically, we don't. We just hope it goes away. Some of you are like that. And it's way harder to say, hey, you know what? There's actually a conflict going on here. Let's talk about this. That's hard. And so you have to recognize that part of us, we may not want to have peace. And recognize that in your heart. Do you know one of the ways... Okay, I got nine seconds. One of the ways... Uh, <laughs> one of the ways that... Um, we can cultivate uh, peace in our hearts um, is, is by cultivating a sense of empathy for others. And do you know how you do that? Do you know how you cultivate a sense of empathy for others? It's going to sound strange. Is by reading really old books. I didn't say the classics. Just read old books. Books from a different time period, different place. There's a guy named Alan Jacobs. He wrote a book called Reading Old Books. And he says, if you read old books, this is what happens. You realize that there are people who lived in different time periods that think differently from you. They had different assumptions about the way of the world. And sometimes they're really like, wow, they believe those sorts of things. But what happens is it, it helps you realize that there's different people living in different time periods who thought differently from you. And what happens is that next time you're on Twitter and you're ready to tweet that angry response, you're like, you know what? There are people that think differently from me. And it'll give you that two or three steamboat <laughs> wait before you actually tweet that angry response. I find reading old biographies, biographies of people living from different time periods, really helps me. Because I realize not everybody has to think like me. Yeah. So the second thing, recognize there's stuff in your heart that doesn't want peace. Third thing, recognize any fear in your hearts and ask God to overcome it. Again, <laughs> it's easier to be a leave things alone maker than a peacemaker. <laughs> so ask the Father to help you lean in when you feel like shirking back. Fourthly, remember that the kingdom of God has already broken in. Like, this is a reality. Jesus has come. The kingdom of God is here. And the Holy Spirit is active and working in people's lives. And just maybe that God in his grace will bring about peace in these relationships. He can do this. And so you pray. And you ask the Holy Spirit to intercede to help you in this. And finally... To be a peacemaker, remember to start small. Some of you are like, I should be a peacemaker. I'm heading to the Middle East next week. I can bring peace there. No, no, no. I start small. I start small. Um, <laughs> we need to grow into this life of being a peacemaker. And so start small. Start, uh, start um, with your mom. Some of you are like, yeah, no, I prefer the Middle East. I'll... <laughs> That's probably going to be a little bit easier than with my mom. Yes. 
But start, start people close to you, like your brother, your sister. You know, she just annoys you, right? And, and there's this rift, and it's been going on. It started off for a couple weeks. Now it's been seven years. I know about those things. I do know about those. The stranger who cut you off starts small. And along the way, as you become peacemakers, you need to recognize this. This is really important. Not everybody wants to be at peace with you. You can be, I'm going to be a peacemaker. Let's all get along. And they're like, no. But that's what Paul teaches. Inasmuch as it depends upon you, live at peace with one another. You can try your best. And some people will be like, yeah, I have no interest in making peace with you. I remember one time I was... uh, I was with this, um, somebody was really mad at me, really mad at me, and, and for good reason, but I did apologize. Um, and I said to her, I said, is there any chance of us ever being friends again? You know what she said to me? She says, we can be friends in the Lord. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Meaning, no, we can never be. And she walked out, and, and like it was devastating. They're really close friends of ours at one point. And the guy, when he walked out, looked at me. He says, I hope you learned your lesson. Walked out. And we tried. But you have to realize, not everybody is going to want to be to make peace. You do as much as it depends upon you. I find that the world, the world that we live in, has little time for peacemakers. Honestly, the internet's not interested in peacemaking. Um, I think a lot of things in, the, uh, in our world today uh, exacerbate conflict. I think uh, social media does. I think the media does. News outlets do. And, and part of our, our, the issue with the modern world is that it teaches us to withdraw into our private selves and to go through life with our head down, ignoring God, ignoring conflict, and just saying, hey, man, it's none of my business. The way the modern world teaches us to walk with our heads down and to think that God and his kingdom have little to do with our lives. So I hope this morning, this morning, we're taught that this is not the way of flourishing. It's not the way of Christ. In Jesus, we are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High. And we flourish, our lives flourish when we're in sync with him. And to be in sync with Jesus is to enter into this world of shalom making. To lean in when we want to shirk back. To lean in when it's way easier to put our heads down and ignore it. And say, hey man, it's not my problem. And so that's what we're invited into. And here's the thing. When we lean in, we flourish. And who knows? These long-standing conflicts may come to an end. And so your challenge as you leave today is to think of that one person, and every one of you has at least one person that's floating through your mind is making you really uncomfortable, and say, okay, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean in as much as it depends upon me. I'm going to try to live at peace with them. So that's your challenge for today. That's your homework. Sound good? All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, this is tough teaching. This is a picture of of your kingdom to be peacemakers, to be shalom makers, 
to live at peace with, uh, with this uh, planet, to live at peace with our neighbors, to live at peace with ourselves, but most importantly, to live at peace with you. Jesus, you've made um, peace possible. You are our peace. You died the death that we should have died. You paid the price that we could never pay on the cross so that we could be reconciled to our Heavenly Father through you. You are our peace. And let that be our starting point as we enter into this world of peacemaking. Lord, you teach us to day by day take up our cross and to follow you. There are so many conflicts in our lives, in our spheres that we have been ignoring or maybe we've been exacerbating. Um, but Lord, you call us to be peacemakers. So teach us what this looks like and how to go about doing this. So we lift up that person that's been floating through our minds in these past half hour and we pray that uh, you would help us to lean in and to be agents of reconciliation to be ambassadors for Christ. That's our desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.